0: What we want to maximize is not expected return, it's not expected wealth, it's some kind of risk adjusted wealth or risk adjusted return. And we all know that but we have to be really careful that we don't fall into a trap of maximizing expected value or expected money or expected return. To hear more about managing risk in the face of uncertainty, subscribe to PGIM's The Outthinking Investor in your favorite podcast app. Pushkin. 2023 was a great year for U.S. stocks. And in truth, the last decade has been pretty good for U.S. stocks overall. The question on a lot of investors' minds is, can the U.S. keep on winning? This is Hedge, the markets and finance show from the Financial Times and Pushkin. I'm reporter Ethan Wu here in the New York studio, joined by red-blooded American patriots. Robert Armstrong. I am draped in the flag here, buddy. Feeling good. Rob, where where do you park your eagle when you drive it into work every day? I have an
1: aviary. Is that what you call (laughs) the thing you put a bird in? I have an enormous aviary (laughs) for my giant mastodon American bald
0: eagle that is on top of my apartment. We're going to be hearing from the ornithologists of the unhedged audience (laughs) about how we Completely mess that up, but <laughs> anyway, we're not talking about birds today. We're talking about U.S. stocks, which are also flying high, indeed. And, and I think we want to consider this on three dimensions, right? One is the valuation of U.S. stocks, right? How, how expensive are they? The other is what are the what are the fundamentals look like, right? If you're paying up, what are you paying for? And thirdly, what does the rest of the world look like? What do the alternatives to U.S. stocks look like? Very good. So, let's let's start with pricing. Yeah, let's start with pricing. So, I mean. Expensive. There's a premium. You pay more for U.S. stocks. It's not just a premium, Ethan.
1: It is a historically large premium. Yeah. So the S&P 500, the index of large capitalization U.S. US stocks, which we focus on at Unhedged, it's at about 23 times earnings. Mm. Most markets in the rest of the world, let's talk about Europe, or let's talk about emerging markets, Japan are at like 15 times earnings. Some of them are at less. Mm. Let's unpack what that price earnings ratio means. That means to buy a current dollar of profit in the United States, you pay $23. Yeah. The rest of the world, you're paying $15. It's a huge difference. And that difference has just gone from very little to 50% over the last ten years, the the wedge is just
0: getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, you you pay roughly fifty percent premium to to buy U.S. stocks over the rest of the world. Like you said, that's expensive. It's historically expensive. The question, of course, is what do you get for that price? You know, if you, if you can buy uh, something that's twice as good for fifty percent more, that's a pretty good deal. Indeed. So, well, what are you getting for that dollar fifty on U.S. stocks? Well,
1: you are getting the most awesome country in the history of the world. Let me explain. Demographics, much better in America than in the rest of the developed world, meaning we're going to have a larger working age population relative to the total population for longer than the rest of the world. We won't face a demographic crisis to the degree that other developed countries will. We have a huge internal market, which means our companies can sell a lot of product to people within America, Mm -hmm. and that means, unlike countries like the UK which are basically completely caught in the flow of global trade there's an island of stability effect in the mm-hmm. united states and of course we have a great corporate culture we have strong rule of law we have great companies we have a huge lead in particular in technology we spend way more in research and development and there's a lot of doomerism around about america mm. You know, people on the right, people on the left, everybody likes to say, boo-hoo, America this, America that. Well, we make more oil and gas in America than Saudi Arabia now. Yeah, now, it's really No, greenhouse gases or whatever, but just as an economic matter, you know, we're the biggest oil and gas exporter in the world. We are the biggest exporter of food in the world. We're the We're the biggest farming country in the world. In a lot of ways, America is just extraordinary
0: yeah. and you see that show up in in stock returns, yes. Uh, in the past ten years, which has coincided with an incredible boom in technological development, in the shale revolution, which completely changed the u s. global energy position, u s. stocks overall returned twelve percent. Now, that number is a little bit distorted, you could argue, because there's, as we talk about almost every episode of Unhedged, there are the MAG-7 tech stocks. Those kind of distort the market because they take up Correct. so much of of, of the uh, headline indices. So another way to look at it is by looking at the S&P 500 equal weight, which treats all 503 companies in the S&P 500 as equal instead of overweighting Apple and Microsoft or whatever. The biggest companies. Yeah. On that basis, S&P 500 equal weight in the past decade returns have been 10%. Pretty respectable. Killing the rest of the world. Yeah. Even on that basis. Even on that basis, equal weight, that beats Japan at 6%, the UK at 2%, emerging markets at 3%, and Europe at 5%. I mean- That's a whipping. You've doubled the rest of the world. That's amazing. That's amazing. amazing.
1: I mean, obviously, if you're going to anticipate that kind of outperformance, you're very happy to pay more. The problem is that is not consistent with some very basic truths about markets. Some version of the efficient markets hypothesis is roughly correct. In other words, when a company or a market or a country or an asset or whatever has particular advantages, there's a lot of smart people out there in the world trying to take advantage of that and to buy that asset. So prices will come to reflect those advantages. So... If you think, if you're sitting here thinking, America has outperformed massively for 10 years, I'm going to overweight America or stick with America, what you're saying is that view of markets, the efficient view of markets, there's something wrong with it yeah. in the case of the United States. That there's
0: there's right. good the news pr- priced in, and there's going to be even more good news into yeah, perpetuity. Yeah, that there's yeah. some, or
1: it's not fully priced in yet. Right? There's something wrong with the pricing mechanism, what you say. And- By the way, this is not a crazy thing to think. You know, a lot of my thinking about this started with a report from Goldman Sachs Wealth Management and a big report this week, basically making the case for despite United States outperformance, staying with your allocation to the United States, not rebalancing away because the American market is just so extraordinary relative to the rest of the world.
0: And, you know, one experience you've talked about, Rob, that that sort of informs your view here is uh, what happened in the rest of the world a couple of decades ago. Yes. Between 2004 and 2014, emerging markets put up an 11% return performance. That's exceptional.
1: 10 years ago to the day, the argument was emerging markets, these are markets that have emerging middle classes. They will have a higher secular growth rate. Then developed markets like the United States. Stay overweight emerging markets. Mm-hmm. They will be better. I heard those arguments. I bought an emerging market ETF <laughs> that I still own, and it has acted like crap ever since. So it just adds to my confusion at this point. And this, 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 frankly, this is one of those situations where I have... One thing going on intellectually, and another thing going on yeah. emotionally. Yeah. So emotionally, I look at my portfolio, and America's been awesome for ten years. I regret all this global diversification I have in my portfolio. It's underperformed. I should have been a hundred percent S and P five hundred, and I just want to stick with it. That's what my stomach tells me. At the same time, I'm a huge believer in mean reversion. Yeah, right. And that you know, if a single market outperforms it's gonna work its way back to mean performance. Yeah, that's
0: right. No, we know these long-term studies of stock market returns tend to find 6 to 7% yeah. inflation-adjusted returns High is 6 High like 6s low 7s. Yeah, that's like the long run past century and a half equilibrium for for stock markets.
1: L- let me give you some numbers, Ethan. So this is since this is the post-war, this is since 1950 to 2023. These numbers come from the Great Credit Suisse Global Investment Returns Yearbook. Rest Wonderful. In peace. Uh, a wonder. <laughs> I don't know if it's called the UPS Returns Yearbook now. I don't know, but it's a great thing they put out every year. 1950 annual average compound returns, world equity markets 6.7 percent, UK 6.9, Japan 7.3, Germany 7.8, Brazil 6.2, USA 6.9. You see the pattern there, yeah? Which is over any sufficiently long period, equity returns in any market close in on that high sixes, low yes. sevens. You know, Germany obviously has had, had an awesome 70 years. Maybe that's exceptional because it was a pile of rubble 70 years ago. But the the point is very clear. So we should expect, right, that over time, the U.S.'s extraordinary performance will revert to the media. Yeah. Intellectually, that's an argument I buy. Spiritually, I'm having trouble getting with it.
0: So we've laid out the the issue here. We we've laid out kind of why people differ on it. There's there's different dimensions you can cut it different ways. Let's talk about how we feel. You know mm-hmm. what what do we think if we had to put our money down? I mean you 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 do have money down on this. You have I a high do. U.S. allocation. Every yeah. yeah, I have a high
1: allocation to the United States because my United States exchange traded funds have outperformed everything else I got. So the I have a real question to face now, yeah. which is do I rebalance away
0: from the United States? And I'm having trouble pulling the trigger, man. I would argue you should, and, and and here's why. Emerging markets have gotten a lot better on a fundamental basis over the past 10 years. You've seen kind of a slow increase in economic management. I mean, look at basket cases like Turkey that are kind of slowly getting uh, getting their stuff together. You could make an argument right now, and a lot of people did, that actually emerging
1: markets central banks as a rule, there was exceptions, Turkey, whatever, but emerging markets central banks actually handled this last inflationary incident Better Better. than the developed world,
0: central banks. Absolutely. Brazil, Mexico, South Africa, they anticipated the Federal Reserve interest rate increases and they acted accordingly raising rates before the Fed did. They did not screw around. And the reason for that is these... Emerging market central banks and just you know finance ministers and treasury managers in general in these economies have 30 years of experience with currency crises and imported problems from abroad. They don't have the more closed economy the US has. They're more susceptible to global shocks. They've gotten better at being able to anticipate and prevent those. And that's a fundamental improvement in the economy that should ripple into the stock market.
1: Here's another argument for those emerging markets that look cheap right now, which is there's a lot of bad news out there. Because of our global experience with two what used to be kind of market darling emerging markets, namely China and Russia, which have moved away from free market economics and towards authoritarianism, people are spooked about emerging markets, you know. And ever since the Rothschilds, it's been a cliche that one should buy to the sound of cannons. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a few cannons in the emerging world. Yeah. You
0: know, so the fundamentals globally. are the fundamentals are better for EMs. <laughs> there are some wars going on. Yeah. Uh, and the valuations are perfectly reasonable to, to cheap. That to me seems like a setup for 10 years of EM outperformance and maybe conversely some gains taking on the US side of your, your portfolio yeah. that it can move into this into this portion.
1: Ethan, I hear you intellectually, emotionally, at a time, you know, I know I just gave the buy to the sound of Canon's argument, but l- let me flip it around. At a moment where the world looks uncertain, I feel like all valuations and all financial rationality aside, we might be entering a period where there's an extremely high premium for safety in the world and that for a little while longer, money might want to head for the United States, which is a rule of law country with a deep, liquid, and open financial market uh, and you know great companies to invest in. So I agree with you, your intellectual argument for overweighting intellectually, it's going to be really hard for me to sell United States stocks this year.
0: All right. We have put our chips down. We'll be back in 10 years to talk about how we both did. Listeners, tell us how you're feeling about U.S. stocks. Overvalued? Fair? Undervalued? Email me, ethan.wu, wu at ft.com. All right, Rob, we'll be back in a moment with Long Short. What do you see on the horizon? Uncertainty or opportunity? Whatever you see, at PGM, we can help you rise to the challenges of today, providing outlooks on the market with deep global and local expertise. With over 1,400 investment professionals in pursuit of long-term returns, our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back. This is Long Short, that part of the show where we go long a thing we love, short a thing we hate. Rob, I am short polyamory. It's... (laughs) Which I have no problem with, but there's a great big magazine package in New York Magazine this week about how trendy polyamory is, and a, a guide for curious couples. And it, it's just, I, you know, I, I've read a reading about it in the New Yorker. All the trendy magazines want to talk about how in polyamory is, which yes. I think makes it not in. Yeah, anyway. it's 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 going the other way. So it, you're selling polyamory. I'm, se- I'm selling. I'm selling polyamory. The yeah. stock is going
1: down. Cool, man. I am long. This is not as. Sexy, long. In fact, it's the opposite of that. However, uh, I'm kind of long the insurance industry, Hmm. specifically kind of property casualty insurance industry. Now, everybody hates on this industry a little bit because, you know, the doomers again. Climate change. Climate change and stuff. But after five years of too much capital coming into the space and a lot of big disasters, I've been talking to insurers lately- the pricing is good, the contracts are written harder, and like this is an industry that is adjusted to a new world and is rational and the stocks are cheap. And you know, we're going to keep having hurricanes and earthquakes and everything else, terrorism, cyber attacks. But I think the cycle is turning in the insurance industry's favor. I'm into it. I'll be I'll be watching it closely in any case.
0: I've got a Miami-based insurance company stock to sell you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Miami. That's another question. (laughs) All right, Rob. Thanks for being here. We'll have you back soon. Listeners, we're back in your feed on Tuesday with another episode of Unhedged. Catch you then. Unhedged is produced by Jake Harper and edited by Brian Erstad. Our executive producer is Jacob Goldstein. We had additional help from Topher Forges. Cheryl Brumley is the FT's global head of audio. Special thanks to Laura Clark, Alistair Mackey, Greta Cohn, and Natalie Sadler. FT Premium subscribers can get the Unhedged newsletter for free. A 30-day free trial is available to everyone else. Just go to ft.com slash unhedged offer. I'm Ethan Wu. Thanks for listening.